0: to a new way of being, being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations.
1: (laughs) Every human being has a unique gift to offer the world And this is our purpose as human beings on this planet. We have been offered this life, so let's make the most of it by doing something great, something worthwhile, something we can be remembered by. An individual's sense of purpose goes beyond simply achieving a particular goal. It involves making a positive impact on the world, no matter how big or small. Valeria interviews Flora Bami. She is a professional certified integral coach Holistic well being strategist and diversity and inclusion expert. Flora is optimistic, multicultural, and passionate, with an expertise in life, mindset, purpose, relationships, and leadership coaching. Flora has over 15 years of international experience in finance, human resources, diversity, ER inclusion, and well being across big multinational organizations, and more than six years of coaching experience. She started her career in Athens, Greece, before moving to Geneva, Switzerland in 2011. Since then, her professional and personal growth have been exponential, resulting in a giant career leap in 2019, when she joined the DEJ I team at JTI. She led the setup of the Global Diversity ER Inclusion Strategy and acted as the Chief Wellbeing Officer of the organization. In addition to that, she has been instrumental in designing and rolling out the global coaching framework for the same organization. Flora's work portfolio includes PWC, Corporate Finance and Audit, PepsiCo, Supply Chain Finance, JTI, Human Resource Finance, Diversity ET Inclusion, Wellbeing, while her coaching experience lies in leadership, purpose, and life coaching. With her corporate background, coaching experience, and personal development journey, She brings together the integral methodology, the science of well-being and happiness, and leadership development to accelerate behavioral and cultural change, boost productivity, and drive personal growth and business performance. Flora, as an executive contributor in Brains Magazine, publishes her articles on personal development. Meet Flora at FloraBami.com. Here's the interview with Flora Bami.
2: In your own words, who is Flora Bami? I love this question. This is how I start all my coaching sessions with my clients, actually. Um, I, what comes in mind is actually who is Flora Bami today? Uh, because I've, I've been in a journey, and I think today I would use a metaphor, the one of a butterfly. You know, caterpillar going through a transformation, becoming a butterfly. And what fascinates me with the butterfly is this sense of freedom. So it's, I think, one, two years now that I'm, like, exploring this freedom. And freedom for me is, like, freedom to be yourself, to be connected to your purpose, your soul, your body, your heart, and free from our inner judge. <laughs> mm, and, yeah. yeah, I've been through a journey, yeah. um, a beautiful journey, actually, Um I'm Greek um, originally, but I live in Switzerland, a very diverse place that I love because I'm very curious and I love exploring people, nature, different cultures, because for me, this is the only way to grow and to challenge myself.
0: And now you made me curious, although I do have an idea about the journey that you have been on. But if you don't mind, can you share with me and us what has it has been
2: like to be on that journey? <laughs> um, I think, OK, now, you know, when you you become you make peace with who you are and you look back, of course, this journey looks very inspiring and you are grateful for the journey because without that, you wouldn't be where you are today. But for sure, it had a lot of uh, pain as well, and moments where, uh, you know, um, we're not the best. But, you know, if you look at my website, my mantra is, be the spring in your life. So I'm inviting people to become the um, whatever spring represents to everyone, which is about joy and hope and new life and birth and transformation and growth and flowers and butterflies, mm. colors. <laughs> so that we need to be that, that part, that season for ourselves because I grew up in a way to be the spring in others' life. Soon is my birthday, actually. Oh, happy birthday. (laughs) I didn't know Thank you. Oh, Uh, that's beautiful. Even though, you know, (laughs) I'm born in November, my parents were saying that I brought the spring in their life because my birth uh, followed um, a big loss in the family of their first daughter. And this is how they came up with this metaphor, because they were looking for some hope and life. You know, she was three years old. And my mom was already pregnant of me when she passed away. So it was a season of, you know, a dark season for my parents. And that's why I brought the spring. But then, you know, how we are programmed and we build our algorithms within us. So a strong metaphor like this carries um, a lot of responsibility to please others and to make them happy. And then at some point you live a life um, based on a script which is written by others um and you know all these emotions of during my birth etc of my mom you know those were my kind of natural emotions living emotions and you know it has been a challenge but life is i think life that has is is um has the best kind of plans for us and then we go through a lot of challenges in relationships because we need challenges to experience love. We're looking, we're seeking for love. And then those challenges brought me to coaching. And this is how transformation started. And then the caterpillar, you know, started looking within. And slowly and slowly, you know, it takes time. But I think it's not the destination that, that matters, but the journey. It's um, And yeah, I think now I'm really in love. Like I fell in love and I'm still in love with this self-discovered journey. Uh, because it never ends, right? Yeah. Oh yes. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it never ended, but such a beautiful process when you do it for yourself, but also you support others to go through this process, and it brings a lot of wisdom, inner peace, and you know when you start living your life with inner peace, then it's it's like that's all, like just perfect. It's just this is how you want to be and live your life, and you don't want to go back. But for sure, we cannot be at this state forever, and that's why I think the challenge is how to learn to find this balance and embrace the challenges and go back to our inner yeah, peaceful state, right, connected to our inner peace. So, yeah, I'm I'm very still very curious with what, what may come next when it comes to my self-discovery journey and who I may become, because you never know who you may become. Um, and how this may have a positive impact to the world.
0: The question that I have that came to me is spirituality. How, how does it fit in? What is to be spiritual from your perspective?
2: Um, for me, spirituality is um, a human need um, to be connected to the source, like where we came from, right? And we come from a space of love. Of course, there are different modalities out there and different names. So some people, they call it God, other universe, other source, source, higher intelligence, whatever. I don't think it's the word that matters, but it's really something higher than us that brought us to life. And whoever created us did that from space of love, which means that we are love and we are connected to something bigger. And we have... Um, we, are, we have... Uh, part of divinity within us. So, for me, spirituality is to connect back to this um, space of love and peace because only from there we can create life and find our purpose in life. Um, And it's a space that I think religions, they, you know, I think they manipulated. I mean, that's the basis, spirituality, but then they manipulated how, Um, they present that to people. But then, I think for me, the opposite of spirituality is fear. So when we are in a space of fear, we we lose connection with our spirit, with our soul, with love. So that's why I think the um, antidote to fear and to everything that happens currently in the world is really to connect with ourselves um, and our soul and our spirit, because the purpose of our spirit is pure love and freedom and peace, harmony, balance. And I truly believe that, you know, we can have a global transformation only when each and every one of us, um, we operate and we live at a state of inner peace. Why do we
0: have to feel separated? Why do we feel separated from the source, from love? And why does it have to be there? if we are essentially love and let's say god life itself the universe why do we have to experience this separation
2: it's a it's a powerful question i think it's because through separation we grow and we learn and we evolve because the purpose of our soul is to come here and to evolve to to become better wiser and to have a positive impact wider impact to the world so if we were all in peace and love then life would be boring and there's no growth and evolution so i think it's part of our growth but this requires a lot of wisdom and kind of to take distance from okay there's separation instead of becoming victim of this you know uh, this separation and um, getting lost in the pain of this because there's a lot of pain in this separation. So I think it's really this is how we grow and evolve. It's a par- part of our process to learn and to evolve our humanity. It's it's evolution for me.
0: From that perspective, it makes a lot of sense to me that we are um, the soul. Yeah, I have asked the question before about the difference between soul and spirit, and some say that the soul is just that fragmented idea of who we are that is still connected with the human experience and that's Ooh. why we keep coming back here more evolved so we can help others. Um, do you wonder if there is a an end to it? If one day we just cease to come here and then even this reality disappears in a way and we elevate to a different one where we don't have to have a body and suffer <laughs> and go through pain. Do you wonder or have heard of anything like this before,
2: Flora? Yeah, I believe that there is an end um, to life, to our physical, to the physical experience of our life. Like, yeah, there is an end. This body has an end date, but the soul now, the souls, I think they exist already up there. And I I was in Paris at um, Bruce Lipton. I don't know if you know him, Bruce Lipton's retreat. And he, this is what he's saying as well. He believes in reincarnation, that the souls, they keep coming back just to evolve and to learn. Um, So I think, yeah, it's, that's why I think spirituality helps a lot because it connects you with something that has no limits, like, there's no time, there's no space. It's something higher than us. so then there's no limit in the time that as we define time, um, so yeah, I think there is an end for our body. Um, but and it happens right when some or when we lose some beloved uh, people, right? Uh, and yeah, we don't have the body next to us, but we are still connected to their soul, so we feel them present with souls, I think it's a sign that they are here um, next to us and they support us. So the soul is, the soul never dies, I think, because it's connected to the spirit and the source. Mm, yes. The body, yes, the body goes through a lot of changes. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, that resonates very much true. So the soul, it's actually, it's not that separate, it's here now, but it's at a different level or dimension and it's kind of influencing help They call it the soul, actually, sometimes the higher self, the inner Mm. wisdom. Yeah, that's such an interesting thing because a lot of times I I think about the experience. What about if it is very simple, actually? Uh, If the soul never dies, which means we will never die, and then only the body ceases to exist in this reality. And then the purpose of it all is just to experience this.
2: Yeah, to have fun and enjoy right. life. It's huh, a yeah. journey.
0: <laughs> yeah, you see that really. There's something that happens when I hear that. When I contemplate it myself. So we talked off record for a moment about simplicity, and or the simple things. So I guess that's a good time to ask the question about the goal of well-being. When it comes to the human experience, what is the goal to well-being? Is that to simplify this experience? Or something else? Do you have a different definition for it?
2: Um, my philosophy is very, very holistic and integral, meaning that um, when I look at well-being, coaching, happiness, I always look at them from a holistic, integral point of view, meaning that I break it down to body, mind, soul, and heart. So for me, the definition of well-being is like a state where all these four components, they are in balance well-integrated, connected, uh, all together, and we feel well, healthy, happy, but also a higher sense of satisfaction and fulfillment, which comes from the element of spirit, right? So it's not just feeling well and healthy, it's more than that, because as human beings, we're quite complex, and those four elements, they have to be in balance and harmony for us to be at this state.
0: Right. So it's um the... Holistic approach, as I have read in your bio, and bringing all the elements together. Although we don't have to rely on the body to be well or in perfect health to feel well, right, Flora? They don't depend. The state of inner peace, as you speak, and I I love that those words too—inner peace. That state doesn't depend on our physical health or even
2: emotional health. Would you say so? Yeah, I think that's quite deep and I think it's quite, it changes a lot, <laughs> challenges actually the beliefs of a lot of people and how our society is based on. Um, the body is the mirror of our thoughts and our beliefs and what's going on in our mind and how how connected we are to the source, to God, to the universe, whatever. So if we have a peaceful mind, a calm mind, this, and yeah, also like positive beliefs that we believe in love and we're not operating from a place of fear because then there's no peace, there's no connection, then this will be mirrored in the body. We will have a healthy body. So when our body goes through diseases or challenges, it shows that there's something happening in the mind. So we need to look at our thoughts, our beliefs, so going deeper on our subconscious level and challenge our beliefs. But also wondering, checking in with ourselves, how is our connection to our, I mean, our spiritual connection, if we have any spiritual practice uh, practice in place, if we need to do more. So the body for me is just um, our thoughts in a form that we can see. That's why we say that our body speaks to us through the emotions, through, you know, sensations diseases that I feel weak. Okay, I need to look inwards. What do I need? But we're not connected to our body. When I coach people, the somatic um, stream, our body, is the one that there's zero awareness, no connection, no education. And for me, it's the number one element like it's it's so important and once you work with people on the somatic and you help them to go to build this relationship to connect with the body to listen to their body the whole you know <laughs> they feel much better and then for sure well-being their sense of well-being is improved. So everything is connected but
0: we can work on each part separately per se mm-hmm. I see yeah. that what are your spiritual practices or teachings?
2: Um, meditation is the first one and I'm quite curious, I'm trying different, uh, modalities, ways from loving kindness. Currently I'm doing a lot of joy dispensers meditations, can be my own sitting practice, really listening to what I need. But over the years, um, I started, you know, with five, 10 minutes and now I ended up doing at least one hour per day, but I need that. I really need that. <laughs> So meditation is one, um, and then another practice is, I don't know what's the name, but it's a kind of connecting with um, our, my higher self, the universe, and asking for guidance when I don't know what to do or when I feel stuck. So I connect with my spirit guides and the universe, ask for guidance or signs. And I think that's a, such a beautiful relationship that I built over time that helps me to, to be, you know, peaceful and in harmony. Then I'm reading a lot of spiritual books. I think over the last year, this is what I'm doing, just spiritual books. Um, my coach is very spiritual as well, which helps. Uh, and then some spiritual mentors, you know, like Gabby Burston that I like a lot, Jack Carnfield, or some retreats. Um, but at the end of the day, what, what is, what fascinates me is that there are a lot of science, scientists, right? Like, as I said, I talked about Joe Dispenza, um, Greg Braden and Bruce Lipton. They are scientists, but it, isn't it amazing that they talk about spirituality and, um, that there is no separation between spirituality and science. Uh, So, yeah, I'm also very fascinated by that, and I'm trying to find ways. Uh, Neuroscience is also, I think, very interesting, which shows exactly the same thing, right? So because I think there's a lot of bias and stigma around spirituality, and I'm very passionate about that, and I want to bring it to the corporate world as well because we're missing purposeful lives and careers. We need that more. Um, Yeah, so I think these are, yeah, uh, I think connecting with my higher self and the universe, prayers sometimes, journaling a lot as well, and savoring. This is something, yeah, I came up with this idea. (laughs) I love that. Um, (laughs) It's like really, for me, it's um, a, a cocktail, a blend of mindfulness, gratitude. And enjoyment, like enjoying what you're doing. Like when I have my uh, cup of coffee in the morning, I really savor the moment. Uh, being grateful for, you know, for the moment, for my coffee, how I feel, but savor the moment or when I look at the sky. I think these are very simple like, actions, habits, practices that we can have in our life, like 10 seconds, one minute maximum but they bring us back to peace and balance and this beautiful connection with yeah, something higher than us. Mm.
0: I want to go back to the subject of purpose. But before that, talk to me for a moment about the work you do as a diversity and inclusion expert. So to mention again, this will be on At the intro of the episode, but I want to mention now that you are a professional certified integral coach, holistic well-being strategist and diversity and inclusion expert. So what do you do as a diversity and inclusion expert?
2: Yeah, so... um... This is a trend, I would say, that started a few years ago in the corporate world. Not only, though, I think it's expanding now. And the idea is really to build a culture where people, employees, they feel included, respected, appreciated for who they are. So the idea is really to invite people and encourage them to bring their true self at work, because this is only when they can perform at their best, but also feel satisfied and happy at work. Uh, this is the inclusion part. So how you can build a culture, teams, um, leadership styles, uh, programs, policies, where people, they feel included. And there's a lot of coaching actually there. And I think it's a holistic approach, again. Um, and the diversity is one of my favorite. I think it's a value for me, a principle in life. We're all different. And in coaching, we say that every person has a um, unique Um, structure of interpretation so another word for diversity actually Um, so what we can do to embrace diversity to make you know to to celebrate diversity and I'm passionate about that because where I live in Geneva it's the smallest metropolis of the world we have 160 different nationalities and I was Uh, Like enough to work for big international organizations where yeah there's a lot of diversity different backgrounds not only you know nationalities gender sexual orientation generations age but also personalities like what drives me what's my purpose my way of thinking neurodiversity emotional diversity so how we can build um an environment where we celebrate that because this is only when humanity can evolve. We, this is only when organizations, they can thrive when we celebrate all these gifted, you know, human beings that we have at the, at, at work. Uh, so I think it's, you see, we're going back to the same things, right? It's not something, but okay. In the corporate world, we call it like, they call it like this because. Um, to emphasize, I think, the direction of why we're doing that. But yeah, it requires a lot of integral coaching uh, as well. And I think well-being is for me, yeah, there's no, I mean, you cannot have an inclusive culture without well-being. So Mm well-being and inclusion, they just go hand by hand for me. Yeah. How do we learn to discern between passion,
0: what makes us happy in the moment and having a purpose?
2: Mm I like this question. <laughs> um I think purpose is like is bigger kind of than passion or being happy in the moment. It's like um our inner compass. It's like the direction that we have in life, what we want to achieve and the impact that we want to have in you know on this world and our life. Yeah, it's it's um it's wider, it's kind of bigger and Deeper as well, meaning that, yeah, I may have today, I may be passionate about cooking and in two years from now, I'm passionate about something else or I may have too many passions in my life. But purpose, I think, yeah, it evolves, though, but it's always, the direction is always the same. Um, So I think as human beings, you know, I've done uh, amazing trainings at Yale University, the science of well-being and the science of happiness um, with Berkeley University and one of the elements of well-being and happiness is having a goal a direction in life a purpose so where am I going and why I'm going there what's my why what's my gift to this world we need that I think it's quite it inspires us and it helps us especially during our dark moments you know it's the light <laughs> that we need to yeah to stand up and uh, move forward um, Yeah. And for me, having a sense of purpose, it's like for me, it's like an ongoing impact that we have to the world, but it's unique. It comes from us. That's why we need to look inwards and to reflect on my favorite words, my gift, like what's my gift to this world. But you have that, that's, that's inside us. It's just to make sure that you know, to remove all the layers and the pollution, yeah, so true. <laughs> right? Uh, and so then true. embrace it and live with that, through that.
0: What a beautiful answer. I read before, of course, <clears throat> on your website, it says one of your articles that you, it was published in Brains Magazine. So Brain Z Magazine. Yeah, you say that service is our purpose. That caught my attention. Mm. That's one part of it. And then you talked about gifts, uncovering the our true gifts. And it has been very clear for me the sense of purpose that we call it purpose it doesn't have to have a name even. I think we are using that with the intention to help others to find that spark of light. But for me it has been helping myself and others at the same time. Anything that I do, whatever I do, if helps myself to be grounded, to have gratitude and appreciation for this experience called life and everyone around me, my family members. And then if that expands into helping others, then it's, yeah, for me, that's how I define purpose. So it kind of makes a lot of sense what you say.
2: Yeah, exactly. I love what you said. So human beings, we have two spiritual needs, growth and contribution. It's exactly what you described. So how can I grow? And operate from what you just described, you know, the space of gratitude and love and peace. Because only from this space you can have a positive impact and contribute to the world, right? Not from a place of fear. So it's a combination of both growing myself and contributing, serving others that has been my experience.
0: And then I wonder what came to me in the moment. I think I had reflected upon this a long time ago, but now it came back to me. What about those who have made a contribution to technology per se? Like we are speaking now, this is Skype. I had no idea what this was, uh, what, 20 years ago. (laughs) And all this computer thing, the internet. What about those people who have made this happen? It didn't seem like they were coming from a place of inner peace or joy, or anything like that. Or maybe they were, who knows, who am I to say that? But from this distant view, it didn't seem like they were at peace while they were creating all this and making this contribution. Would you say that this sense of contribution is highly personal? Or can we, human beings, make a contribution to humanity from a place of darkness, from a place of sadness?
2: Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. I think well again we don't know who and how um invented Skype you know so oh yeah <laughs> or the Mac computer <laughs> how exactly how the idea came up etc so maybe this person was going through a very creative phase and you know so again we're not here to judge how but I understand what's what's your question about um so I think when we Move into this, like, okay, I want to contribute and to have impact to the world, but it comes from our ego. And because I'm craving for power, right, I'm craving for fame, or I'm craving for money or to get, you know, another promotion to become a leader or a CEO, you know, this, I think it's ego driven it's not soul driven. And there at this stage, what happens? Yes. Also those people, they do contribute and they offer, but I think they're waiting for something back, like a return back to them. So it's not that unconditional and, um, the intention, I think it's a bit different. Um, yeah. That makes sense. So from that perspective,
0: from that experience, they're still coming from fear because they want something in return for whatever they give. So they are not at peace if this is the case, which very much seems to be. For me, it has been in the past. I was a fitness trainer. I was trying to make other people or influence them to become healthy, but I was not healthy myself in a sense of happiness or peace. I didn't have that, but I was trying to help others to be healthy in a physical way. And that was coming from fear at that time. That was not a good place. Although I did, I know that I made a contribution in a positive way in some mm. people's lives. And But that's interesting to see. What an interesting paradox, um, right, Flora, that we can sometimes even contribute from a place of fear, which is interesting to see. I know it's coming from the ego, But it's almost like life doesn't make mistakes and everything is used for the greater good.
2: Yeah, and I think it's part of our growth. Yeah, I may contribute coming from a place of fear and driven by my ego, but it's part of my growth. And I see that a lot in the corporate world, you know. um, I'm coming from, it's 15 years that I've been there, so I know how it works and how you need to be in order to survive there. And... I think it's that challenging and I think the corporate world is going through a lot of challenges now with the great resignation and after COVID especially, the younger generations, they're not that inspired and motivated <laughs> yeah. to join the corporate world. And yeah. why? Is because yeah. there you have to operate, you know, you are always in a mode, survival mode, always under stress. So you need to rely on your ego in order to survive, right? Because there's always... You know, there are are challenges and dangers, so which doesn't allow us to move into this peaceful and creative stage, our sage, the right part of our brain. Uh, And, yeah, we're not connected to our heart. We're not connected to our body, neither our soul. So it's really really ego-driven. Yeah, of course, all these big organizations that do have positive impact to the world, most of them, but it's ego-driven. Imagine if... Uh, It was soul-driven, right? I think the world would be a better place to live.
0: So coming from from fear, survival mode, it makes a big difference, right? And I love what you said. That is part of a growth process. It's evolution, right? So it's something that it is happening, perhaps not for a specific reason when it comes to the big picture, but from the soul's picture, from the soul's point of view. It's that... Mm -hmm growth of contributing from love in this lifetime, in this reality, that resonates true to me. There's another post, piece that you have written that caught my attention on your website. It's titled, The 10 Powerful Ways to Practice Self-Love. And then you quoted somebody who's unknown. You say, self-love, self-respect, self-worth. There is a reason they all start with self You cannot find them in anyone else. Mm -hmm. What a powerful quote. I read this and then just paused. I had to. So talk to me for a moment about your own idea of your own practices, actually,
2: of self-love. That's a journey. (laughs) Yeah, it has
0: been for me, too.
2: Yeah, that's not an easy one, I would say. Yeah. And if you add also the word <laughs> unconditional, so uh, yes, <laughs> word, <I>
0: <laughs> yes,
2: <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, I think I'm trying to practice all these 10 practices that I'm, I posted, you know, uh, I wrote about in my article. Of course, it's not easy. I think the key one for me is forgiveness, so to build, like, self-compassion, like to change the, our inner dialogue, the, the in our talk, the way that we talk to ourselves, which means that you need to be mindful to stop, to pause, to reflect. Uh, but I think for me, this is very, very important how we speak to ourselves because we're not even aware. Um, yeah, of course, self-love, it's easy, like taking care of ourselves and sports and meditation and what we eat. But I think these are just basics. Uh, self-love is deeper. <laughs> it's not that easy. It's really the relationship that we, what happens in our brain actually, right? Um, how I relate um, uh, with my emotions, my thoughts, the moments that I'm judging myself. This is the, the, the hardest one. So how do you stop there and have a dialogue with your inner judge? Yeah. Um, I think my spiritual practices help a lot. Um, and then, of course, um, yeah, having a coach or I'm doing also like other things, um, healing or uh, emotional freedom, you know, really looking inwards. So as because every time I'm aware of a pattern, so I see something that doesn't serve me. Like I have thoughts that judge me. I'm like, OK, what's this now? Why? There's a reason, you know, all these come from our subconscious. So we need to, to replace them with more, with empowering, with positive uh, beliefs and thoughts. Um, yeah, I think self, self-love is really a journey. And I don't think there is like a stage where we say, okay, now I know and I truly love myself unconditionally. It's, it's, um, it's a work in progress. And I think, um, yeah, it's a learning process. It takes time. But for me, the key is forgiveness and compassion.
0: Yeah, I love the the component of awareness, because whatever we are not aware of, we can't really have a relationship with. So it's all about being aware of whatever it is that's happening here. That's the start point it has been for me. Self-acceptance has been a big one too. Mm. So let's see another post that caught my attention is one that you title, What distinguishes healthy positivity from toxic positivity? Mm -hmm. I'd love to hear the answer to that.
2: Yeah, that's a big one, I think. Um, I don't know why, but there is this kind of pressure that we need to be always happy and positive. And one of my strengths actually is positivity. Like, it's one of my gifts, I would say, and growth mindset. But... um, To be whole, I think we need to embrace all polarities. What what does it mean? Like um, we have, you know, I stopped consciously four years ago calling my emotions negative or positive because this comes from a place of judgment and evaluation. It's positive or it's negative. All emotions are useful, are expressions of our body, uh, like our body is expressing something. The emotions is the language of our body. So we cannot say you cannot use these words, and you can only use these words, like, right. when we speak a language. <laughs> yeah, true. So I think the healthy positivity for me is, like, when we learn to accept, to embrace um, any kind of emotions and not to push ourselves to be always positive and happy because it's not possible, right? Science shows that people that they have... They experience diversity of emotions. They call it emo diversity. Um, yeah, they are happier because they go through any emotions. The, the emotions, I think, the unpleasant emotions, the uncomfortable emotions—anger, sadness, fear—they are there to, to show us something. They they just deliver a message. We need to listen to the message, do something for that, and then move on. They are not there to put us into dark places and. <laughs> Uh, so I think toxic positivity, and yeah, in mainly on the Western world, I think it's it's just too much that you always need to be smiling, to be positive, to be happy, but it's not possible, and we have a lot of resistance then to, um, yeah, the, yeah, discomfort or some unpleasant experience and emotional states, and then we stuff all these emotions, and then stuffed emotions they become. Um, stress they become diseases so I think it's really but for me you know as I said my, my strength is positive so I used to be always positive and I, I couldn't be like I shouldn't complain I, I shouldn't be sad I shouldn't be angry but the liberation and I think a key moment also for sel- self-love actually so the transformation started when I I said okay let me experience sadness it's fine um, what made, made you know this emotion showing up now? What do I need to know now? So I think this is very, very deep. But I think we need to work a lot with our body when it comes to emotions and to how to learn to release these emotions from our body instead of kind of stuffing them. And yeah, have fun also with those emotions. It's fine. As kids too, I think um, my niece my niece inspires me a lot on that, like how they have all these mood swings, they cry and then they smile yeah it's it's amazing because they don't judge their emotions, right? And this is healthy positivity. This is always joyful and positive, that it's healthy. it's not toxic. She doesn't um, harm herself right by doing that. Oh wow.
0: that's another profound answer, a message for for all of us, uh, Flora, really powerful one. I think that the best way now actually that we are talking about consciousness <laughs> and this idea of wholeness. A beautiful topic that you also write about, that you have written about. It's um, There's a blog uh, post on your website. It's titled uh, Finding Balance Between Doing and Being. <laughs> <laughs> that's, the, that's the perfect top subject to end the conversation today. So we're not ending yet, but I would love to hear from you. Uh, how do we find this balance? What's the
2: best way to do it? Yeah, yeah. Um... Our world is full of doers. And yes. <laughs> I want them. Yeah, <laughs> me too. <laughs> All my clients are doers, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, again, it's something that we need to unlearn, as you said. It's a misconception that somehow we learned at school, at home, I don't know where, like we need to do, we need to perform, we need to achieve in order to in, you know, in order to feel that I'm worth, in order to feel that I, I, I have meaning in my life. But again, going back to wholeness and embracing those two polarities, so doing and being, we need to find balance between the, those two in order to feel whole and be at peace. And how? For me, the, the easiest way, and it's simple, you don't need to buy anything, it's easy, it's free, doesn't take a lot of time, is to start with silence. With, And silence can be meditation, can be savoring, can be just, Connecting with yourself can be just taking some deep breaths, because we need, you know, when we are on a doing mode, our brain is on a survival mode, and we just the focus is to survive, to achieve, to deliver, to do, to do, to do, to do. So we're not even touching the the, the right part of the brain where there is, you know, it's the creative mode. So it's not sustainable. Being always on the survival mode, we need to visit <laughs> the creative mode and then find the balance. So to visit the creative mode, it happens when we are in stillness and uh, peace. So, which means that, okay, it can be just pure silence. It can be nature, connecting with nature with silence, in silence. It can be five minutes meditation. But it should be a daily practice, which means that we need to balance it even from a time perspective. Not doing 22 hours and two hours sleeping and that's my silence. No. I am right. <laughs> we it in between, right? Doing one hour, performing at my best and stopping two, five minutes, like posing and feeling, you know, this sense of um, being a bit creative and peaceful, just posing, posing, like it's simple. But very, very often, very regularly. So, as you know, it's going into, you know, it's my fi- mental fitness um, background here that we need to, to move from one part of the brain to another, so as to build the muscle. It's about building this muscle, the mental muscle of um, being on a creative mode, peaceful mode. And this is, the, again, the foundation to find purpose in life, right? And to connect with our spirit and uh, to build our spiritual practice and, again, to, to manage stress. And I strongly believe I think it's the hardest one with my clients. Like when you try to to help them to build this muscle, they, it's so hard for people to understand that when you pause and you rest, then you can reach your peak performance and you can be the best leader and the best performer. We have this belief that if I, you know if I work 24 hours, 18 hours, I will be the best. But no, because our body is on the survival mode. We don't have the same capacity to understand what we're doing to create our creative mode is like shut down when we're in survival mode. So, yeah, I think that's, that's another, that's why what I said when we just started, these are so simple kind of practices and ideas. It's not rocket science, but it takes kind of courage and time to build the habit and the practice and to make this, as we said, the being mode and the silence, um, And, you know, spiritual practice to make them um, part of our daily life and way of living. Um, But yeah, it's simple. It's very, very simple.
0: And it it sounds very simple. It's not easy because it's that engaging with that undoing kind of process that might not sound or seem. Um, easy, but it's, it is simple, Flora. It is Mm -hmm. very simple. I agree. For me, it has become almost like a trust space. That's what trust, let's say, inspired action to be here, Mm -hmm. like talking to you and doing the things I do. It's like, I trust that the body and mind, the conditioned body and mind, they are being the instruments of life itself, of consciousness doing its work uh, for the best myself and others around me. So there's a trust component for me when I let go of that that doing (laughs) and I I kind of yeah. land into being. Then it's okay to be here, even if uh, if it's taken a lot of time. The body's not that comfortable. It wants to go out and do something else. <laughs> I'm at peace doing this because yeah. I trust. Yeah,
2: totally agree. Yeah, yeah. Because the doing mode comes from you know we want to control the outcome. We want we need to know. While the trust, which yeah, I mean, it's another challenge. You know how to fully trust in life, trust in the process, or surrender. This is my practice this here, how to fully surrender. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, yes. There's so much peace there and relief, like, you know, yeah. what a relief not to need to know and understand, <laughs> yeah. right? Oh, yes. Which is the being mode. But, yeah, trust is, is again, fundamental there to be able to, to simply be without pushing yourself. I have to be, right? Just doing it and enjoying it. Yeah. And surrendering to, you know, to this moment. The most challenging moments throughout the month is when,
0: for me has been the the period, the moment that that transition, the body's making the movement, then it becomes much harder to be. And it's more like, the it's almost like the, I'm a lot more aware of the processes within the body and the chains of hormones and everything. So I wonder if you go through that too, and if that happens with um, a lot of women who are practicing to balance this doing and being, does it happen to you?
2: Yeah. Um, I started reflecting on that uh, when I read um, Eckhart Tolle's book, The Power of Now. And he, he's referring to, to period, actually, to mm-hmm. what's going on in our body. Oh, yes. <laughs> um, and he oh. was inviting us kind of to, yeah, to just be in the moment and be in the present and mindful on what's going on in the body. And I don't know how, but I started a practice. I don't know what inspired me. Maybe it's my own practice. I don't remember. Like when I know that this is coming is again to fully trust my body and kind of to say, okay, I welcome, I allow my body to go through this process and welcome this cycle or whatever. So it's again, it's this power of surrendering into the wisdom of our body. And when, yeah, when I do that, it's, it's, it's just, it's flowing, you know, it's, um, Again, it's quite peaceful. Uh, so I think it's the, the pain comes from the resistance that, or fear that, you know, this may be painful or. Um, but when, you know, can, we can even uh, add that part of our meditation, like inviting our body to welcome this process, to embrace it, and to fully surrender to it, then I think the more mindful we are in the moment, it's kind of, you know, connecting with our body and supporting our body. Because when our brain says, oh my God, it's painful, while the body wants to go through this process, there's resistance, there's no coherence, right? Uh, again, looking at from a holistic point of view. Um, so there's separation between the body and the mind. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, right Yeah, I think, yeah, that's the practice that helps me. But yeah, there are for sure moments that when yeah there are some months that are a bit challenging so it's not that we are always at this state. Um, but it's a learning process i think for women so the more we practice
0: the better we get at it in the sense yeah. of listening to the body and trusting it as well yeah i love yeah, and that it's
2: part of our nature of our beauty so i think we need to make peace with that and, yeah yeah
0: beautifully said flora yeah making peace yeah with with all pieces of us, <laughs> not just the spiritual, right? That's very easy. The heart, it's very easy to make peace with that one.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so
0: we are almost at the end now. And I have a few more questions for you, the ending questions. But before that, would you like to add anything else that you left and said?
2: Um, just to express my gratitude, I think, to you. I really enjoyed our chat. And uh, as I said, the tone of your voice is so peaceful. And uh, yeah, it's great to be here with you and be able to share my views on these very, very important topics. And it feels great actually to do it with um, like-minded people. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, it's the same here. I feel the same way. It's a beautiful thing <laughs> to witness this, to be aware of this. Yeah, it's a gift in itself. Thank you so much for being open to life and open to be here today, Flora.
2: Thanks to you.
0: What do you love most about being in a
2: human body? Wow. Why do I love most? I've never thought about that. <laughs> I think the ability to be able to experience life, um, touch. So I think through our human body, we can use our sensations and touch, smell, see, you know. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, the body connects us with the planet and other human beings, Earth, and yeah, I need to reflect on that actually. Yeah, it's a good <laughs> yes, question. Yes, we caught you yeah. off guard, but
0: yeah, I love, I love your answer though. The experience, right, of the senses. Yeah,
2: of mm. the senses and connecting with yeah, whatever is um, around us
0: through our senses again. Something happens that's very magical when we really connect through the senses to the environment. And it's just incredible. It's almost like an out-of-body, in-body experience. (laughs) Uh, That's how I feel. It's such an amazing thing
2: to be here. And I think, yeah, fully agree with you. The other thing is that this magic that happens, you know, the chemistry between the human body, the mind the heart and the soul so how you know what I said before that the body is the mirror of what's going on across the mind and the heart I think that's that's amazing once you get that and you approach your body and your health through this lens yeah I think it's so it's fascinating but also it gives the power back to us because then we know what's the chemistry what's going on within the body
0: that's when wisdom shows up, right? Mm, it's easy yes. to be wise. And my last question is, let's see, I'll ask this one. At this time, what do you feel is the, the world's greatest need?
2: Peace. Inner peace, though, which, and starts with every human being. Yeah, there are so many things happening out there, but I think if we just look inwards and connect with ourselves, And find our inner peace there are so many different ways just be in peace at peace peaceful then yeah this is how any war can stop Uh, and you know I think it's yeah that's from inner peace
0: yeah it starts with us right if you want yeah we want to see peace out there then we have to end conflict here so true exactly
2: yeah inner conflict
0: (laughs) Yes, right. That's exactly what I meant, that the inner conflict, because, yeah, unfortunately, <laughs> sometimes there are many when we are not aware. Yeah. I want to thank you again for your presence here today, for everything that you're doing in this reality, the way that you're doing. I know everything is spiritual, and I do understand that a lot of of us human beings don't yet understand that, so we have to use different words (laughs) and Mm -hmm. approach it differently. As you said, for corporations, that's a different way approach. But I love how you bring this beautiful foundation essence of who you are to the forefront of your work. Thank you so much, Flora. It's much needed.
2: Thank you, Valeria, for having me. It was a pleasure. I really enjoyed our conversation. Very inspiring. Keep doing what you're doing. Uh, Keep thriving. I loved your story as well. And I love your mantra. You are the journey and the destination. It's so powerful. (laughs) Thank you for that.
0: Thank you. Before we say goodbye for today, where can we find more information about you, your work, products, services and future projects?
2: Yeah, my website is the first um, space where you can find me, florabami.com and then you can follow me on LinkedIn and Instagram as well or connect directly with me through my website.
0: Wonderful. And I'll have the link of your website on your podcast profile. Thank you so much again and we'll talk soon.
2: Bye for now, Flora. Thank you. Take care.
1: Thank you for listening To learn more about Flora Bami and her work, please visit florabami.com.
0: To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.